everybody, and welcome back to the critically acclaimed streaming club, the only streaming club that you're listening to at the moment. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold, and uh, to, to elucidate a bit, the streaming club came about uh, during the pandemic when everyone was locked inside, or is still locked inside, and... Uh, we wanted to explore the options out there. There were a lot of streaming uh, channels that were available to the public, and we wanted to, to rather than just review new films, also delve a bit. And uh, we're we're going to keep on doing that because we like doing it. And um, our last poll was romances. Yeah, we wanted to look at uh, a variety of romance movies. Specifically, uh, we picked films that were available on Netflix. There was actually quite a few uh, decent options there. And I was a little surprised, but very pleasantly so, that the film that was selected was a film that Whitney had never seen before, but I had grown up with. Mm-hmm. It's a film called Mystic Pizza. If you say that word one more time, I'm going to scream. Married. Bill and Jojo ah! are made for each other. Jojo, come on. You can't force me to do something I'm not ready to do, Bill. Daisy and Charlie are from two different worlds. You're weird. I'm weird. Soda or some juice? Tim and Kat are throwing caution to the wind. I'll have some wine. Is there a history of insanity in the family? or They say it skips a generation. But in a town like Mystic... I'm going to be slinging pizza for the rest of my life. The best pizza! The only thing for certain is that nothing is predictable. I'm telling you, Joe, that I love you. I think that when people love each other, they should make a commitment. If he really loved me, he'd wait. But I guess if I really loved him, I'd marry him. Mystic Pizza is one of those movies uh, that, at the time, feels like, you know, just a a movie. It's nice. Everyone likes it. But then you look back five years later and you realize, oh, my God, everyone was in this movie. Well, everyone was in it. And uh, my wife explained to me, this was one of those movies that in the late 1980s and early 90s was on very heavy rotation on cable TV. Yeah. So it was seen a lot by a a great number of people, just not without even trying. Yeah. Uh, So the film stars uh, Julia Roberts, Mm -hmm. who at this point was still very early in her career. I don't think she'd even done Steel Magnolias yet. This Uh, was after Steel Magnolias. It was after Steel Magnolias, but it was still early in her career. Uh, She was still like not like the lead. It's part of an ensemble. Uh, Lily Taylor, who would, of course, go on to a major career explosion in the 90s. Uh, Annabeth Gish, who never quite got as big as Julia Roberts or even Lily Taylor, but is still a mainstay. and She's done a lot of TV work in particular. We've also got Vincent D'Onofrio here, who I don't think has ever looked sexier than he does in this movie. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, they all play waitresses at a uh, and, pizza and, joint. And not one, but two Eric Stoltzes. <laughs> Three if you count Matt Damon. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Matt uh, they, Damon, is, this is Matt Damon's first movie. He plays a guy who uh, is a preppy teen's uh, younger brother. And at one point, uh, he's eating a lobster, and he asks if he's supposed to eat the green stuff. Mm. No, that's the poop. That's the joke. That's the whole joke. That was the start of Matt Damon's illustrious acting career. Yeah, yeah, and and he's a baby. Uh, oh yeah, no, the the two Eric Stoltzes. Uh, one one is Matt Damon. Uh, yeah. One is played by William R. Moses, and the other is played by an actor named Adam Stork. Uh, neither of them are uh, terribly familiar to me, but they're all yeah. they're both uh, working actors. Adam Stork is probably best remembered as uh, he was one of the main leads in that TV miniseries version of The Stand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who did he play in The Stand? Uh. The, the, ni- the 90s version or the new the one? The 90s version. The oh, 90, okay. I haven't seen the new one. Uh, the 90s version, I think he played like uh, like the one guitar player dude who ends up with Lars San Giacomo. Oh, that guy. Okay, I think that's yeah. him. I could be wrong. Well, it's been I a think while. Name, the character's named Larry. I watched that a couple times, yeah. that, that 90s uh, yeah. TV stand. And then uh, William R. Moses uh, was in Alien from L.A. Uh, with that, Kathy Ireland. The boy, same year as Mystic Pizza. What a hit. Okay. Um, yeah. Alien from L.A. is is a, a spectacular piece of crap. Um, yeah. It was on Mystery Science Theater. Uh, and, of course, the late, great Conchata Farrell uh, plays the owner of the titular Mystic Pizza. I um, for- almost, like, it had been a while since I'd seen her, uh, a movie with her, and mm-hmm. I had, like, like I'd forgotten how much. Like, she, she only passed away in 2020. Yeah. And yeah. I've already, I, I already miss her so much. Yeah. She's yeah. so damn wonderful. Uh, uh, she I, was I a, remember she was, first seeing her in Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Uh, she's one of the neighbors in that movie. Yeah. She uh, was, uh, she was in LA Law. She was in Two and a Half Men, which I didn't really watch. So mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, I didn't get that experience with it. But, but yeah, yeah, she was a character actor. Had been, she was in Network. 
She was in Blansky's Beauties. <laughs> yeah, she 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 got around. She has yeah, a huge, she's in hugely, yeah. hugely wonderfully long career. And always a delight. Um, she plays the purveyor of Mystic Pizza, which is in a, a real town in Connecticut called Mystic Connecticut. Yep. Uh, which didn't have a place called Mystic Pizza, but after this movie, they did. They <laughs> opened one uh, to, to bank on the name. And... Uh, Working at Mystic Pizza are the three main characters. Annabeth yeah. Gish and Julia Roberts play sisters. Uh, Julia Roberts plays, uh, her character's name is Daisy. And mm-hmm. uh, By the way, uh, Mystic Pizza is a real place. It is now. No. the Amy Holden Jones like mm. visited the pizza parlor and wrote the screenplay based on the pizza parlor. No, I, I looked it up. They said it didn't open until after the movie. No, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got some bad information. All That's right. entirely possible. Apparently, uh, I read a... it on the internet. It's not always reliable. <laughs> uh, so I apologize for, for spreading misinformation, if, if that's the case. Um, I'm going to see if I can look it up. Okay. If I get a little clarification. Yeah, you, you could totally be right. And I will eat my words. Um, but yeah, they, they Cat and Daisy, played by uh, Julie Roberts and Annabeth Kish, work as waitresses at Mystic Pizza. Uh, they also have a co-worker and friend, uh, Jojo, who is played by Lily Taylor. Mm. And uh, they are all, and this movie is about their, essentially their relationships to sex and relationships. Uh, Daisy has a reputa- reputation as sort of like, um, sort of like the town floozy. She doesn't have a great mm. reputation. People talk about her behind her back and she's single and doesn't have a lot of aspirations in the world. She's just looking to sort of date and get along. There's this wonderful bit where she's talking mm. to her mother and, uh, wow, that's really loud out there. That's wild. Um, Something's you can pro- probably hear the motorcycles out Big there. Big motorcycle. Anyway, um, but uh, she's talking to her mother, and her mother is uh, who works um, at a lobstering uh, uh, like a fishery, uh, like a fishery. She yeah. she catches lobster and stuff, and so their fridge is always full of lobster. And uh, she, she's talking to Julie Roberts, and she just says, I, "I don't expect you to be like your sister, who's like going to Yale. I just worry about you." And there's this really sweet moment where Julie Roberts looks at her mom and says. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, she, I also worry she, about me. I don't, she, have, I don't have direction. I don't have drive. And she uh, she compares herself as everybody does to her younger sister, Cat, who mm-hmm. is uh, on the cusp of going to Yale, but needs a lot of money to go. Yeah, and I, th- I think she's already like in somehow. Like it's, oh, she's, it's she's kind she's, of weird at the time. She was accepted is. in February, which is to say you weren't like fully accepted. You're accepted like later on in the school year. Yeah. But she doesn't have a full ride scholarship or anything. So she yeah, has to pay her way. And Yale's like, fucking expensive. And uh, a little bit of weird timing at the end of the, the end of the movie is like right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And she says, okay, now I'm going to go off to Yale in November. What have you missed? In, fe- like, in, is... in February. Second, second. So, okay. She's going to, she, they say at the beginning of the movie, she starts in February. Okay. So right. like, so she's, 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 she's getting February. ready soon. There's not, there's not uh, much time. But she's, uh, this is the Annabeth Gish character. She's much more ambitious. She's working at Mystic Pizza to earn enough money. And she also works as a babysitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, she starts the movie taking a, a kind of a long babysitting gig from, uh, is it the Adam, I think the Adam Stork character. No, it's the, t- the Tim Travers character. The, Tim, William, yeah. the William R. Moses character. Yeah. Uh, whose wife is out of town and he needs help with his daughter when he needs to go to work. Yeah, he's he's working on renovating one of the local houses. This movie takes place in Connecticut. Connecticut is, uh, it, obviously it's in New England and there's a lot of old architecture there. It's a seaside community and a, the, all of the main characters except for uh, the, uh, the, the, the two Eric Stoltzes. Uh, are uh, are locals, hmm. and uh, they depend on the tourism trade. And between tourist seasons, they're struggling to get by. Uh, it's a very working class uh, film. Um, and he's been brought in to renovate one of the fancy old houses. And while he's there, his wife is in England. And we realize over time that while she's in England, their marriage is completely on the rocks. Uh, and Annabeth Gish completely falls in love with this dude because he also went to Yale and, and he's super studly. He's tall and handsome. Yeah. And he looks just like Eric Stoll. He looks just like Eric Stoll. Everyone looks like Eric Stoll. There, there's two guys that look... I, I, in fact, for a there was a scene where I mixed them up and for a second I thought Julia Roberts was also... Like, they were both after the same guy. Ah. And I thought that was going to be the big drama. It's like he's dating yeah. Julia Roberts, but Annabeth Gish is also in love with him, but he's also yeah. married and... So, the, 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 no, the, it turns out that Julia Roberts was dating a different guy. Director Donald Petrie has a type, okay? He, he and his type is Julia does. Roberts. Uh, uh, Donald his, Petrie, his, type, his type is Eric Stoltz. Donald Petrie uh, directed a lot of movies, mostly comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, Miss Congeniality was obviously a huge hit. He did How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Grumpy Old Men, which was a big deal. Richie Rich, right. which a lot of people grew up with. A lot of, uh, a lot of pop, popular comedies in the 1990s. A lo- lot of very yeah. successful comedies. Um, uh, and that's that's his bag. Uh, the movie was written by a bunch of people, including uh, Perry Howes, Randy Howes, Alfred Urey, and Amy Holden Jones, uh, who... Well, she uh, she she, uh, she worked on the Slumber Party Massacre. She directed it, and that's, that is one good. of that is one of the great feminist slasher movies. Mm. She also edited Corvette Summer. No kidding. So yeah, she's had a All cool. Right. Uh, she, she also directed Made to Order with Ali Ushidi. Uh and uh, yeah, so she's got a really cool career. Make sure you check her stuff out. All right. Um, so oh, um, I saw Made to Order in theaters. Yeah. Also, there's Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor at the beginning of the movie is getting married to Vincent D'Onofrio, mm-hmm. and she gets total cold feet at the altar. She faints. She backs out of it, and she tells him, "I love you. I just don't want to get married. Can we please just not be married and have a lot of sex outside of wedlock?" Mm-hmm. And Vincent D'Onofrio is kind of okay with this because he loves her. But over the course of the movie, he's a conventional guy. He's a very conservative guy, he's, and he's, he's, he's starting to feel really guilty about like he believes that love and commitment go hand in hand, and mm-hmm. he really wants to get married, and she really doesn't, and they really love each other, and that's the only sticking point of their relationship. Well. uh it, it's it's very complicated though because she she wants to have sex with him yeah and he's really neurotic about it uh, he doesn't want to have sex because they're, they have this like gigantic glowing Jesus statue in the apart his parents apartment where he lives yeah so he doesn't want to have sex with his parents around which is understandable yeah, but, it's, it's, but yeah. also he's, he feels guilty off, yeah. that that Jesus is watching and yeah. you know, he's like super Catholic. Uh, and then the next day, he like with all of his fishing buddies calls her an infomaniac out in public. Well, he had named like, by, his, he like, named his boat after her. Yeah, and he replaces and, and, it with a, a banner that says "nympho" as a slur. Like he's trying to yeah. try to, to like take the piss out of her, and she says no. And I don't want her to get back together with him at that point. Yeah, he took that way too far. He, he took, took that he way took too it far. too far. He's he's the neurotic one, and she's actually trying to be a, like a yeah. lot more healthy about sex and sexuality. Yeah, and he's the one who's sort of like dragging her back. I think I had hoped that the arc would be she leaves him at the end. Ah, yeah, uh, and she doesn't, and that that's a part that I didn't. The, that's the a arc, detail that the, the arc ends up being. And listen, he clearly fucks up. She also steals his car, and then they vandalize another dude's car. And no one, uh, no one in this movie is a saint. No, uh, no, no. And that's one thing I like about this movie is it actually doesn't deal in it's about it, mess, messy people making bad decisions. Yeah, it's it's a messy in, movie, in a realistic sort of way. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things I like about this movie a lot is that it fe- it feels really messy in a way that like people make mistakes that I believe. Yeah. Um, and the arc of Lily Taylor and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is. Her realizing that she doesn't want to be with anyone else and him realizing that marriage shouldn't be about any sort of ownership and that she he needs to support her individuality, which is ultimately pretty healthy. But man, did he take that shit too far. Yeah. Uh, and I totally get it. That's a huge turnoff. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, again, as I said, he he's very rarely been portrayed as like a hunk. In a movie, it's like this and Adventures in Babysitting. Romantic leads before, yeah, but it's not usually like hunky romantic leads. He's not like he doesn't get like the slow mo shots of him walking down the hallway, you know. Like, and uh, this movie and Adventures in Babysitting are the only two I can think of where everyone's like, "Ooh, cast him as Thor." They really he would have been a good Thor. He would have been a good Thor. He was Thor in in well, he was a great kingpin. He played the kingpin in Daredevil. He was was great Mm. as the kingpin. Like no, no no ifs ands or buts about it. He was amazing. Um, I, I really like him here. I, I was It's interesting because I remember when this movie came out. I was six at the time, but I was following movies. My family loved movies, and it's, it's an R-rated film that came out the year I turned ten. I didn't. I this escaped my attention. This that this is R-rated kind of shocks me. I think it just has a, f- a few too many f bombs. Like it's it's very easy to edit down for television. There's mm. almost there's no nudity to speak of. Yeah, there's yeah, the yeah. sexuality is all pretty muted. It's mm. it's they, really they talk openly about sex yeah. in a way that in 1988 I think was. Pretty shocking. Keep in mind, this was right around around the time of Sex, Lies, and Videotape, yeah. which came out the next year. And um, Sex, Lies, and Videotape caused a huge stir because it just talked about sex. Mm-hmm. There, there weren't like a lot of sex scenes in Sex, Lies, and Videotape. But people are talking very openly about... Frank. Yeah. yeah um, and there, there's, there's a scene where... Um, 
somebody talks about um, masturbating on camera. It's yeah. like, and that was like this huge it, shocking moment. It's so bizarre when you look at the mm. arc of that kind of like conservative thinking about uh, cinema, where we had gone from like the 1970s, where Deep Throat could be like a massive yeah. mainstream yeah. blockbuster, to the very conservative 1980s, at the end of which Julia Roberts talking about sleeping around a bit mm. can seem. Well, yeah, a, a little outray. bit, yeah, a little, little like, bit. Uh, tee-hee. What the hell well, happened he, within a generation? Well, like, and, wow. and the last decade has been really yeah. conservative too. There, yeah. there haven't been a lot of very frank, open sexual films for adults. True. Uh, uh, in the mainstream, you know, you can yeah, you can always is. find these movies, of course. But, yeah, they're uh, made, but they're not. But the, they're main, not the studios bad. aren't like throwing money behind them. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I think there was. Um, like in the late '90s, there was this huge, long string of just terrible sex bombs. Mm. Uh, like Basic Instinct was a huge hit. Yeah. Indecent Proposal was a huge, huge hit. Sliver um, did well, even though it's terrible. Sliver but... did okay, but then you have stuff like Color of Night and Jade, Jade and yeah, yeah, like a, a bunch of other yeah. studio bat sex thrillers that just did not. The, do the well. bottom fell out pretty fast. Showgirls mm. killed it forever. It's yeah, not, even, show, it's not yeah. even a sex thriller, but basically, Showgirls said that sex doesn't can't sell that much. Yeah, and the, yeah. other films came after, but yeah, yeah. that that was kind of. Yeah, the big death knell of, of yeah. the sex thriller. So yeah, now we're in another conservative time. And can you imagine if there were a scene of in in like a, a film for just a mid budget film that's for adults that's mm. not like seed seedly seed, mm. seedy uh, seedly a word like that um, <laughs> not seedy but uh, something that is actually um, just frank about mm. sex and sexuality. Uh, I feel like that's the purview of television right now. Yeah, but yeah. you'll see that a lot like on TV. Euphoria but, is incredibly yeah. frank about sex. But yeah, I, but movies, movies are way more middle of the road when it comes mm. to stuff. But anyway, my point was, my point wasn't that. Mm. Um, my point was when this movie came out, it felt like Julia Roberts was the story. She was clearly on a, yeah. tra- a, a career trajectory to greatness. Pretty Woman was only like a couple of years after this, and that by that point her star had solidified, and she was one mm-hmm. of the biggest smoke picture stars yeah. in the world. She, she, uh, Steel Magnolias, Breakout, Mystic Pizza, Breakout. Everyone's looking at Julia Roberts, and I'm looking at this now. And first off, she's Julia oh, Roberts. Know she's I, magnetic. I, I got it wrong. Uh, Steel Magnolias shot at the same time, but came out after that. That's what I was thinking. Okay, so this is one of those films that made Julia Roberts. A, a increasingly a household name and I think Steel Magnolia solidified it so I'm, I wasn't mm-hmm. crazy I'm glad to hear that um, and she got a Golden Globe for Steel Magnolias uh, I remember that nomination or just or a win I think she won yeah. uh, let me look that up yeah but, but she was she only for an Oscar for it uh, she she got an Oscar for Aaron Brockovich no she won it I mean yeah. was she nom- she, was, she was nominated for Pretty Woman mm-hmm. uh, she, she was... won a Golden Globe uh, for Supporting Actress in Steel Magnolias mm-hmm. but she wasn't uh, nominated for an Oscar she for won it. a Golden Globe for Pretty Woman right um, b- 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 um, the Academy Awards. You can do it. Uh, yeah, sorry. First Academy Award she, has a, she has a very long filmography, you yeah. say. And a very successful filmography. And good for mm. her. She's incredibly talented. Yeah. Uh, uh, but she's incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, my, my point is this. She was, she's was she been nominated for four Academy Awards. Okay. So that's Aaron Brockovich, uh, uh, August Osage Still Magnolias, Pre- uh, Pretty Woman. Okay. Aaron Brockovich did August so, Osage Still Magnolias was the first. That's my point. My point was this. At the time, it seemed like the story was Julia Roberts. And briefly, it also seemed like maybe Annabeth Gish was like going to be like the next big, big thing. And that didn't quite happen, but she still had a good career. Um, watching it now, this is Lily Taylor's movie. <laughs> Lily every, Taylor dominates look, this film, and she's great in this movie. Every Lily Taylor movie is Lily Taylor's movie. Yeah. Um, because Lily Taylor is... She, she's like Parker Posey. She was one of those 90s uh, indie film mainstays. She was just in everything uh, like, for a while, yeah. she yeah. was in a lot of films during, like, their both of their careers were just huge in the 1990s mm-hmm. and are still going as well, yeah. both, both of them. And, um, but you you knew it was a treat whenever they showed up. It's yeah. like, uh, what what is Clock Watchers? I don't know. Oh, Parker Posey. I'm going to go see yeah. Clock Oh, and there's Tony Collette as well. And, and yeah. Lisa Kudrow ended up being the big star for a while. Uh, Lily so Taylor had great yeah, taste in movies. Taylor, I, the, have you ever seen a, the, have a you wonderful seen, agent? Have you seen the Addiction? Oh, the vampire! Actually, yeah. I haven't seen the Addiction. The Addiction is um, one of the best vampire movies ever made. Uh, she plays a college <laughs> student who gets bitten by a vampire, and it basically becomes like this big long metaphor for like the existential crisis that all college mm. students feel, and everything. Like she's like learning about philosophy and religion get amplified, and it all ends in this like really horrible like bloodbath of like the intellect, like intellectual aristocracy. Oh, it's so good. So, but yeah, it's so good. But yeah, Ju- Julia Roberts' career was huge right away. Yeah. Um, I, uh, she was in a, a like straight to video movie. She was in a um, 
a Justine Bateman film called Satisfaction, oh, uh, like yeah. a sex comedy from the mid eighties, uh, mid eighties, and then Mr. Pizza, Steel Magnolias, and Pretty Woman, and Flatliners all in a row. Yeah, and those were all huge. Yeah, hits. Yeah, it was a pretty quick trajectory. Excuse me, and then Sleeping with the Enemy. Yeah, which was also a huge hit. No, for the nineties, she was one of the biggest movie stars in the world, yeah. arguably and, the um, biggest. I'm trying to figure out when I came in to her career because uh, mm. uh, Mystic Pizza, like I said, was an R-rated film. Uh, I didn't see Steel Magnolias when I was a kid because I wasn't interested in yeah. that kind of movie. I saw both of those uh, in theaters I, when they came out. Yeah, even Flatliners. I still haven't seen the original Flatliners. Oh, it's okay. I, I saw the remake. Um, yeah, it's better. Than, it's better than the remake. Yeah. Uh, so I think the first uh, the first time I ever saw uh, J- Julia Roberts in a movie might have been Hook, where she played oh. Tinkerbell. Oof. And Oof. like Hook, and then the Pelican Brief. Like those, yeah. were the, that was my introduction. Pelican Brief's okay. And I feel like by the time I got to Hook, like she was already such a big star. It was stunt casting at yeah, that point. Yeah, you already you already knew who she yeah. was. You've and, seen her on like the tabloids at the supermarket aisles. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. So like, like I knew yeah. who she was. I'd seen yeah. her around, but I hadn't seen her in a movie yet. And so I feel like I caught up with her midstream. Almost to the point where she was such a big star, she was already being cast for being Julia Roberts. Yeah, she was kind of coasting and on like the fact that she's mov- Julia Roberts. Her movie for star yeah. uh, quality, and that's that's an invaluable quality when you're sure. making a movie. Uh, you know, I bring up Tom Cruise as like this this movie star. He's he's a good actor. Yes, mm. uh, it's rare that I'm blown away by a Tom Cruise performance, though. Yeah, uh, I go to see. Tom Cruise, not the parties playing. Right, but then if you look at, for example, the early Julia Roberts movies, yeah, like Steel Magnolias, like Mr. Pizza, this is where you see her prove I, herself I only, and become uh, that. I yeah. only recently saw Steel Magnolias and now have only recently seen Mystic Pizza, and it's only now that I get to appreciate her as a great actress as well. Yeah. As a movie star. She worked hard to become yeah. that yeah, personality I've, that people I've, liked so I've, much. I, I caught, I've seen her sleepwalk through stuff. Well, yeah. More than I've seen her actually give great performances. I think she gives a very, very good performance in Mystic Pizza. She's wonderful. She, she and Beth Gish and Lily Taylor are yeah. all great. Of course, Conchata Farrell. Um, yeah. the, the, the two dudes, who cares? They're, they, like, they're, they're, they're not, well, actually, they're, I kind of appreciate how unimportant they are. Yeah. I, Vincent D'Onofrio gets a little bit more because he's actually in a serious relationship. Like, mm-hmm. they're already serious. And I think um, watching Lily Taylor navigate just how confused she is, because she's young. Mm-hmm. I think she's like the oldest thing. She's in like early 20s. She already has her own apartment. Um, or like, no, she doesn't. She's living with her sister, but like, uh, she's, she doesn't, she knows what she wants, but she doesn't know how she wants it. Mm. And she just doesn't watching her explode over this level of relationship confusion is actually just absolutely captivating. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Annabeth Gish and Julia Roberts, they play their sisters, and they're both like you know. Annabeth Gish is the goody two shoes, but now she's like thinking about having an affair with this much older man. Mm. I mean, he's not like spectacularly older, but he's well, at she, least ten, fifteen years. She's a teenager. She's a teenager, young. and he he graduated from Yale ten years ago, so he's like in his early thirties. So mm. it's wildly inappropriate. Oh, absolutely. It's wild. It, it may not be illegal, but it's wildly inappropriate. Because um, I think she's. They say she's over eighteen, but um, regardless, it's, if, he, regardless, he's a creep. If, he's yeah. a super creep. He shouldn't. That, that he's. If, if they were both single, they're both adults. They can talk yeah. about that amongst themselves. But uh, yeah, he's married and she's a college student and, and he, she's also in his employ. Yeah, That's all super totally wrong. inappropriate. It's yeah. super duper wrong. And and everyone everyone acknowledges that. Like Julia Roberts sees right away that Annabeth Gish is like she's been living a sort of conservative life and she's never really had romantic interest and she's clearly thinking about this in terms of like sort of a romance novel mm-hmm. and you, Julie Roberts is just like this is wrong and creepy and you should not be doing this and and she, and, and she comes back with why are you telling me what to do you you, yeah, you sleep all around kinds with everybody yeah. yeah Julie Roberts meanwhile is having a relationship with uh the other Eric Stoltz the younger Eric Stoltz uh who is the preppy guy with like four names and mm-hmm. uh, he's like his family owns a giant house that they only vacation in. Uh, he's been kicked out of law school for cheating, which, yeah, you should be kicked out of law school for cheating. It, you, I don't want you to be a lawyer. I don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, which which he, he does confess to her. It's like yeah. they've, they've had a date, and he's like, you know what, I should probably come clean. Yeah, um, and, uh, and, and, and to their credit, and people look at Julie Roberts and say, you're also making the same mistake. Here's a rich guy who's using you. Mm-hmm. We are... Working class local people. They're also of Portuguese descent, which uh, they the 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 upper class in Mystic look down on. 
Yeah. And when we do see them sort actually like have conversations, it's Connecticut con- blue blood types. Yeah. They, like racist of everybody. Yeah. 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 So what, like, that's not is, great. Uh, what's the joke in Monty Python mm. uh, where they have a game show called prejudice and they're trying to, like, oh, I don't remember that. Who, who, like, uh, I think it's like, um, like I'm, I'm going abroad. Like there's people are writing it. I'm going abroad and I can't think of anything wrong with Belgians. And like so, so, so the, the host says, "Well, uh, let's let's make something up. Here's how. Here's why you can hate Belgians. That's that's and, so and here's awful. some slurs you can use. No, against that's Belgians. awful. That's awful. Um, anyway, I mean, it's a comedy. Show. I know, I know. I'm just saying. Um, but uh, so like so, my point is, there. His whole family is assholes, and everyone assumes that he is using her for the summer. Hmm. She should not get too invested in this. He's going to go away, and this will all become a an ugly memory, and you'll feel bad for being used, or worse." You know, you'll you'll end up pregnant or something, and it's mm-hmm. gonna end up affecting your whole life. And uh, uh, you're, you're and, making all these bad decisions regarding yeah. this guy, and she doesn't really care about. But him. he seems so nice, and she starts dating him, and and, and, they, he, and they they because of that confession, yeah, you know, he's he's not honest in his study, yeah, but that he confesses to her, he shows some emotional vulnerability. Yeah, he's he says, not, I'm I'm not a clean, perfect guy. In fact, I did something really bad. Yeah. Here's the complete me. Like he's actually yeah. very open about so it. So it's it's easy to see why she would be into him, and it seems like he's actually pretty good. There's a whole bit where like, oh, he went. He's going away for the weekend to visit his like his grandmother, and oh, isn't he so so nice? And that's the uh, night when they all get drunk and steal Vincent D'Onofrio's car for the whole mm-hmm. uh, boat incident, and uh, they decide to drive the car up to the country club and steal some beers, and uh, that's when she notices that he's there. He's supposed to be home for the weekend, uh, like visiting his grandmother. But instead, he's there and he's got another girl around his arm. So she takes all of like the chum from the giant buckets in Vincent D'Onofrio's truck and dumps it into like his convertible his Porsche. Porsche. She's got a really nice Porsche. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "All mad and stuff." And he's like, "This is my sister." And she's like, "Oh, this is awkward." But you were supposed to be with your grandmother's. She had a migraine. I went home and called you. You were out with your sister. <laughs> Well, shit. <laughs> we couldn't make this in 2021 because we have cell phones. Yeah, so that like, whole plot point would be dead. There'd yeah. be no excuse to, to not know. It wouldn't make any sense. Uh, but at the time, yeah. Mm. If you're not home to get your phone calls, so, so you don't get your phone calls, and so you really can't yeah. complain. But this is this goes to what you were saying about how uh, th- this is about people who make uh, organic mistakes. Yeah. This isn't about evil people. This is about people who are trying and yeah. and uh, they're and they're, they're, they're ma- making bad decisions with rational uh, ends. Like like Lily Taylor steals and she gives it back to him. She doesn't destroy it or anything like that. But she steals this card to to, to get back at him because he hurt her feelings. And She's asserting yeah. her dignity. Julia Roberts <laughs> demolishes his Porsche. Which, by the way, what if he was an asshole? He would have sued you for that. He would have been, he would have yeah. been paying off a Porsche for the rest <laughs> of your life. But Just she's working at Mystic Pizza. But she's asserting her dignity, yeah. and y- you have to respect that. And that all comes to a head with this one really uh, just awful dinner sequence. It's the one with Matt Damon is there, and uh, the parents are being assholes, and they're condescending, mm-hmm. and they're condescending to their son. They're condescending to Julia Roberts. They're kind condesc- It turns out Julia Roberts like knows the help. Because yeah. they're they're the same working class. It's like, oh hey, how you doing? It's like, and the dad's just like, don't talk to the to the guests. So it's all awkward. And then the the Eric Stoltz Jr. makes this like big scene, and Julie Roberts leaves, and she's mad at him, and she should be mad at him because listen, your parents are assholes, but they're not pretending to be something they're not. They're just assholes. You used me as a stunt them, yeah, yeah. to show how superior you were to them. For dating me, you're the piece of shit here. She figures it out pretty fast. Yeah, like it, 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 it takes a few dates, whatever, to like figure it out. But like when she does, it's like, yeah, I'm done. Fuck you. Mm. I'm out, and I love that. Uh, me- meanwhile, Annabeth Gish is falling deeper and deeper in love with this uh, mm. married man, yeah. who's who's you know yeah charming and good looking and tall and you know yeah. the, falling you know kind of bonding with the young daughter who's still like maybe six. She's uh, uh, four. Oh, she's four. Okay. She says she's six, but she, that's something she does. She always lies about her age. Like I'm nine. You're four. Okay. She's she's four years old, and and they're sort of growing in a family way. She works at a pizza restaurant, so wouldn't you know? Uh, why don't I take you for a tour of the house I'm working on? Bring some of that Mystic Pizza. Uh, yeah. And one thing leads to another, <sighs> in a very unwise sort of way. And uh, when they drive back to. Uh, the married man's home uh-huh. who should be there, but his wife who's come home early. Yeah. Uh, and so they were nearly caught. And he, 
well, not only was he only caught, but like as soon as they get home, he just immediately snaps back into husband mode right in front of her, mm. pretends she doesn't exist. They've never had any connection, yeah. and that's when Annabeth gets realizes oh. I was nothing to him. Yeah, this this he has I was no a summer fling. Yeah, I was a summer fling that he will forget about, yeah. and that's it. And it kills her. And Lily Taylor, who was babysitting for the babysitter. Yeah, like co- covering for her so they she can have this day and yeah. doing a great job too. It's like as soon as I went into the door, oh, oh, hey, you're home. Did you get that medicine for your sick mother? Yes, great. Yeah, <laughs> like covering like a champion right here. You're, and you're, you're a good wing woman. I love I love the car ride back because Annabeth Gish is just like in shock mm-hmm. over everything that just happened and how much the rug has been pulled out from under her in multiple directions. And Lily Taylor's also freaking out because she's like. No, she wouldn't try to get revenge. She did. She didn't know. His arm was around you for a fraction of a second. That could have been anything. I said your mother was sick. You're probably fine. And Annabeth Gish is not even there. She's just so heartbroken. Yeah, it's so genuine. It's so great. Um, and uh, he and he the the married guy tries to make it up to her by uh, paying for her school. Huge check. We don't see the number of zeros mm. on it, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And you yeah. know, she takes it. This is while she's at work, and she's. Yeah. She's kind of distracted and messing up, yeah. and she tears up the check, and she goes back out, and wh- who should be there but the day, de- uh, Doctor Deus Ex Machina, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. uh, uh, the, the critic, Mister Plot Contrivance. There's, there's, uh, we've seen people like watching TV a couple of times in this in this movie. Uh, one time they're watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and they're talking about Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> which was and weird because Trump I, already I, owned the place. Yeah, I looked it up when when he bought it. He bought it in '85, so yeah. just a few years earlier. Yeah, that. that that one was weird. That, mm. that is that is aged in a way that no one could have predicted. Um, but uh, in any case, yeah, the one thing they were watching was there was a um, there's a TV food critic who goes to all of like mm. the the local places in New England and is apparently merciless in a way that only food critics seem to get away with anymore. Because mm. nowadays, if you're a merciless film critic, people people it, come get at you for being mean. Yeah, because you're kind of being an asshole. And like to be fair, mm. kind of sometimes. But food critics have been assholes since the dawn of time, Although, uh, and they are just I think, uh, merciless. I, I didn't read the review because I haven't watched the movie yet, but uh, Justin Chang, I think, called the new Space Jam movie like a, a tornado of garbage. Like, Yeah, he, he, that doesn't surprise he, me. People he, are laying into that one, at least. Wow. So uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. We will, Mate, look, we will again, do it for this week. Again, I, I will I, watch it. I'm not hopeful, but... I would love to be surprised. Wouldn't it be great if yeah. it was wonderful? Mm-hmm. And I will be the first person to come out and say it. Mm-hmm. Guys, we're being too hard on Space Jam. I would love that. I, I think this is an affable film. Let's watch it. Uh, Wouldn't that be great? The, the Three Stooges syndrome all over again. Yeah. I'd love Some, for that to happen. Sometimes it's better than you think. So mm-hmm. that's why you try not to put, plan these things out in advance. You don't decide what you think about a movie. You wait and see what the movie yeah. does. Bada bing. But in any case, here's a, here's a food critic who's notoriously tough on local establishments. And, uh, and just and when everything is hitting ahead, he's in the he's in the restaurant. Yeah. And they decide to give him a re- pizza. Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza is not just... A nice restaurant. Oh, by the way, I looked it up. Mystic Pizza did exist. It wasn't where the movie said it was. Okay. And after the movie, they renovated it so it would look like the movie. Ah, okay. So it's not yes and no. I, yes I, and no. I was mostly wrong, but somewhat right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, the thing is, is that it's actually a Portuguese restaurant, and they have a very old family recipe mm. for the sauce, and nobody knows what's in the sauce. It better be good because those pizzas look awful. I they I, they, they, they I hold on. I, they, I, I it looks like they ordered them out of a box and just sort of put them out on the the like they're not hot. They don't. No, no, no. Like they're, they're definitely they're, not. Yeah. I've interviewed a couple of people who worked on this movie. Okay. I've interviewed Lily Taylor. Okay. I've interviewed Vincent D'Onofrio. I've never interviewed Julia Roberts. I've never interviewed Annabeth Gish. Hmm. And uh, of course, I never interviewed. Uh, well, not of course, but you know, sadly. Can, uh, you I, can I, no longer interview Conchata Farrow. I, no, I wish I had. She would have been the perfect person to ask. But um, every single time I've interviewed someone who worked on Mystic Pizza, I asked them if they knew what the secret ingredient oh. was. Because <laughs> it's the last line of the movie. Is yeah. them wondering what the secret ingredient of Mystic Pizza is because no one knows. And I asked, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio didn't know. Hmm. 
Lily Taylor didn't know. And if memory serves, Lily Taylor said, I think we ordered Domino's. And we just oh, put, God. like, we just, because no, it doesn't matter. It just needed yeah, to be on, on screen. Pizza. Like, it doesn't, whatever. We'll, we'll tell you it tastes good. So they just it's, ordered pizza the, from wherever. The problem is the quality of the pizza is a plot point in this yeah, movie. Yeah, so you want the it to the look movie. amazing. So it so sh- it, there should at least be a, a few, like, food porn shots I of feel just like how nice the pizza I feel looks. like that's the biggest missed opportunity with this mm. movie. I think it's the thing that's keeping this movie from being, like, a cult favorite, like a beloved film for people who grew up with it, mm. to being something we visit over again. It's not a food movie. No, you think it's a food it, movie. it should be a little bit more food. Like, you think it's, it'd be a food movie. You the, want, the, you want the, those the, glamour shots of the, three, the pizza. The three, you three main be... characters are all great. And I love how, yeah. how complex they are. I think yeah. they all give really good performances. Yeah. Uh, and in, in that regard, it's good. It's, yeah. it's quite a good movie. Um, but yeah, it, that the pizza itself is sort of the thing they gather around, mm-hmm. and it's called Mystic Pizza, and it's a plot point, and it's a plot. It's point. not just I incidental; was, it actually is like, woven into the fabric. I would like Mystic Pizza, the actual eatery itself, mm-hmm. to have more personality. It yeah. looks like just a place well, in a mall where you'd grab, well, like just the, off of a mall where you'd grab. Well, something. and again, that, and again, it's kind of the issue is that this takes place in the tourism off season, so you're not mm-hmm. seeing it filled with people. Well, it doesn't need to be filled with people. The I'm place saying, not, itself needs to have more. That's my point. That's when it's sleepy right now. They're barely mm-hmm. getting by. Okay. There's only a couple people there, and yeah. as a result, it's just very chill and well, no yeah, one's they're, they're just sort of laid back they, they have like a soda fountain and a galaga machine it's like i'd, I'd go there but you know it, it yeah. doesn't seem like the the kind of place where the pizza is the focus but that's the thing though is that if you if you're lucky enough to live in a place where you do have like one like oh my god nobody knows how amazing this one place is mm-hmm. kind of restaurant often they are unassuming and that's one of the reasons why they're they're a well-kept secret I, I, you know I, I suppose yeah like there's a place uh uh on uh on Sawtell, which isn't too far from where we live, hmm. that I have walked and or driven past probably literally a thousand times since I've lived in Los Angeles proper. And we only just went in there for the first time like a couple months ago. It's called Nina's. Hmm. Nina's is the best Mexican food in town. <laughs> and that's saying a lot in LA. Like Nina's is amazing. Like I love it. And hmm. like, but it's unassuming. It's not actually like on like it's not on a strip somewhere. It's not like in a it's not even a lot of foot traffic. But that's the thing is that you look at the restaurants that are not part of a big chain that aren't protected yeah, okay. by money mm. and they're not going anywhere. Because turnaround for restaurants is crazy wherever you go. Here in Los Angeles especially, but yeah, yeah. just about anywhere. What's that place that's um, next to Tito's Tacos? Oh, that pastrami joint. No, it's um, not, no, no, not the pastrami joint. There's a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Next to Tito's it's, Tacos. It's Mexican and also says pastrami. No, the pastrami's... No, that's Johnny's. Johnny's is the pastrami no, place. Not Johnny's. The, the one next to it. The one next to Tito's. They also sell pastrami there? I, I believe so. It's a Mexican yeah. restaurant, but they also have okay. like pastrami sandwiches. Okay, but uh, there's there's this famous taco joint uh, in uh, West... I guess it's more of Mar Vista, Culver City. No, West LA on the border of Culver. Yeah. Uh, it's it's famous uh, taco joint called Tito's Tacos. Uh, and you can get like a lot of tacos. They serve tacos. That's they, you can get other you can, things, you but get, no one would buy those. You, I think that you can get burritos. I think they serve enchiladas, but I'm not sure. It's the tacos yeah. you go for. Yeah, it's fast. It's greasy. It's super cheap, and there's yeah. always a line around the block. Yeah, it's 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 ideal for stoners, people who are getting out of clubs. Um, it's they got a, they had a great commercial jingle. If you ever want, the only thing better than a Tito's taco is two. Yeah, like it's great. Uh, and Tito's Tacos is, is a perfectly nice taco place. The most amazing thing about Tito's is that Tito's is a local, like, kind of a legend. People go to Tito's. People hear of Tito's. They're mm-hmm. visiting. Like, I've heard of Tito's. Let's go to Tito's, right? Uh, Tito's is and has been next door to another Mexican restaurant for as long as anyone can remember. It's called Cinco de Mayo's Tacos. <laughs> That's it. Cinco de Mayo. I just looked it up. Cinco de Mayo Tacos, which is right next to Johnny's Pastrami, has been right next door to one of the most famous Mexican restaurants in L.A. for as long as anyone can remember. And it's still there. And that tells you a lot about Cinco de Mayo Tacos. That tells you that the people who have been to both... Go to Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> but I like to think that Cinco de Mayo has understood that Tito's is so popular uh-huh. that there's enough overflow that they can be right there to catch I've, everybody I've else. I've been to Cinco de Mayo. It's way better. Is it? It is a right. very, very good Mexican restaurant. You should totally go. Wonderful, like, wide variety on the menu. Everything tastes amazing. 
And yeah, it's just the it's the, it's it's successful because it's better than the one next door that's more famous. That's the oh. same like genre of food. <laughs> you can't you can't sustain that <laughs> otherwise. You can't be like the local burger joint like next to like In and Out mm. for decades if you're not a good burger joint. <laughs> you just don't do it. Um that's the premise of Jonathan Gold's career, the late great yeah. Pulitzer Prize winning Jonathan Gold. I, I think to date still the only food critic to ever win a Pulitzer Prize. Uh who uh, uh you you can find his story. There's actually documentary films yeah. about Jonathan Gold, but uh he he he's an LA local and uh decided to uh when he had this sort of big gap in his life when he had nothing better going on, to just start eating at all the restaurants on Pico Boulevard. And yeah. just going down systematically. <laughs> and we live, and, we live just off Pico Boulevard. Yeah. Pico Boulevard is one of the longest streets in LA, by the way. Yeah. So that doesn't narrow it down. But so, yeah, like, there's, he was, there's he was a way, Jonathan Gold, like, Jonathan Gold was, was way, yeah, yeah. way inland, and he decided just to start working his way down Pico, trying all the food. And that's how he, he became a food critic, because he just realized that all of these little holes in the wall yeah. had some of the best food ever yeah. made. Whereas, you know, some of the more prestigious uh, Fancy, or, or better, famous, better known yeah. or more expensive restaurants weren't as good as sort of the yeah. local stuff. And he, and he, and he was very adventurous. I was going to yeah. try this. What, what do you serve? We serve one thing. What is it? Well, fine. I'll have it, whatever it is. And he gets like, like tripe soup. He's yeah. Like, oh, well, that, that that's the lungfish okay, horchata. Okay. Yeah, so well, I'm going to try, try, I'm going to yeah. try your lungfish horchata. Oh, damn. Okay. That's good. Yeah. You, you hit on something here. Yeah. There's no such thing as lungfish horchata. I, <laughs> I really hope not. That sounds awful. <laughs> Hey, who knows? Maybe it's the most amazing thing ever. Um, but uh, I, I, I gotta but I digress. Yeah. Just I'm, I'm thinking about Jonathan Gold. I gotta look up his review he wrote of uh, the the strawberry donut. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, but yeah, that that's that's that that's, flavor. That's what's kind of missing from Mystic Pizza, is the, and it feels like it's ingrained all, into the premise. You, you needed a food critic who talks like an actual critic and not you know off the rack movie snob number eight. Yeah, some guy with a handlebar mustache and a suit. Well, that's why I brought up besides the Marilago thing. That's why I brought up the whole uh, uh, well, I sell the rich and famous uh, oh. thing, which is a, which is a show that would commonly appear in movies. To establish a theme of the haves and have-nots. And that's something that's very much in play. Bless you. Something very much in play in Mystic Pizza. And I feel like his level of food snobbery Mm. is playing into that idea of classism rather than actually anything to do with actual food. Yeah. Food writing, food criticism, food preparation. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that's... I. Mystic Pizza, it, I would you should not reboot or remake this movie. Oh, it might well, be they, a good they, TV show though. They turned it into a Broadway show. Did they really? Yeah, I didn't know there's that. a musical based. I actually on never Mystic knew that. Pizza. I think Mystic Pizza would be a great TV show. Oh, just like yeah. staying at Mystic. Pizza. Yeah, just take just take these characters and their versions of these characters. Let them you know live their dramatic lives, and then you could actually focus more on what it's like to own a small restaurant business with like a lot of legacy. Mm. And I think like that's interesting enough to hold a show, um, because that's the thing that I think people have connected with with Mystic Pizza over the years. Mystic Pizza is a very good movie. It's mm. wonderfully well written. It's wonderfully well performed, but it's not very showy. It doesn't have a lot of huge dramatic moments that like people will remember and quote. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, it, it's not like so well photographed. You have to go, wow. Mm-hmm. It's just a very well made drama, and I feel like what has made the film last has been it's just the absolute connection that we feel to these characters because they are portrayed in such a a realistic and you, you use the best word messy manner. Yeah, in a way that so many sanitized Hollywood dramas. Do not. Yeah. Uh, something that's very good, but you know, compare this to something like A Beautiful Mind, which it just feels very. Would, not Mock- that the same genre. Stage-y, but anyway, yeah. it feels mockish and stagey. Like, that's a vibe. Like, Ron Howard doesn't do this anymore. Like, Parenthood, he briefly had it, and then he, he lost Par- it. Parenthood is really messy. And, yeah. yeah. And then he just went, went a little too slick. I, I miss the messy drama. And I feel mm. like Mystic Pizza is one of the great, especially unsung, messy dramas. Mm. There was a time when, as you said, uh, this was a reasonably successful film in theaters, but because it was on TV a lot, it built up this big cultural cachet, like something like uh, Christmas Story would, for example, where mm. it did okay and then it became popular later on when people could see it all the time. Nowadays, people aren't doing that anymore. They're not watching things randomly on TV, and a film like Mystic Pizza is, I think, losing some of that clout that it had developed. Mm. And that's a shame, because this is a really, really sweet movie, and people should, people should see it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I found that Jonathan Gold review. Oh, great. If, uh, if you, uh, just to, to, to quote a little excerpt. Yeah, just this, a was, yeah. this was published in uh, the LA Weekly in 2007. But, uh, back when that was a good newspaper. Yeah, but, yeah, back before it was bought out by conservative weed bros. Yeah, um, it, it's a terrible, d- d- terrible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't line story. a hamster cage with it right yeah, now. It's yeah. awful. Um, the, the fruit, this is about a strawberry donut from Donut Man. Uh, the fruit is moistened with a translucent gel that lubricates even the occasional white-shouldered berry with a mantle of slippery sweetness oozing from the sides, turning the bottom of the pasteboard box into a sugary miasma in the unlikely event that the donuts actually make it home. <laughs> <laughs> damn, that's good writing. Yeah, it's just it's such, really such good a good writing. That's really good writing, damn it. Yeah. Oh, we should start a food podcast. It's just us chewing. Like, mm. <laughs> good. You can really taste mm. the donut. In the springtime, a fancy, a man's fancy turns to thoughts of donuts, raised glazed by the dozen, to Bismarck's bursting with raspberry jams. We can dedicate a whole podcast just to, to reading Jonathan Gold reviews. <laughs> uh, no, we're not even commenting on them, just reading them. But mm. anyway, brilliant. Um, but anyway, Missing Pizza, currently available on Netflix, pretty easy to find in general. Mm. It's, uh, it's on Paramount Plus as well. It's, yeah. it's out there. Yeah, it's it's a lovely film. Please go see it. We think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, next time on the Critically Acclaimed Streaming Club, we're heading on over to Peacock. Peacock uh, we, is, a, is a streaming service. So it's Universal's, it's the NBC Universal streaming yeah. library. And uh, you would think, mm-hmm. what, what with the gigantic library of films that Universal owns, mm-hmm. that there would be a huge selection, but they're more like HBO in that regard. No, not HBO Max even. No, HBO in the, the golden era. Yeah, they just when, have... When they had like four, four or five blockbusters you were really itching to see and shovels of crap. Yeah, it's actually weird. When Peacock debuted, they actually had a very respectable catalog library. Yeah, like you would go yeah, on there and they like would have like... All the Hitchcock stuff yeah. and all the Universal Monster Yeah, they had almost stuff, every Hitchcock yeah. movie that the Universal had. had almost every one of the old monster movies Universal had, like Frankenstein, The Wolfman, etc. Um, and then at some point they just took that away. And I don't know why. And I understand that there are rights issues, and sometimes that certain streaming services or other whatever have the rights deals with certain. Yeah, and they're and they're for the future or whatever, and these things are still getting cleared up. But it makes no sense. It's and it has left that streaming service feeling pretty anemic. Mm. Uh, So normally, what we do is when we pick a streaming service, we try to pick a category. We tried to pick a category, and every category that we came up with just didn't have enough to fill out a list because again. How we populate our lists, and you can vote on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, is uh, Whitney chooses two films that he has never seen or barely remembers seeing because it came out so long ago uh, that he needs to, we need to fill out our education. Yeah. And I pick two as well. And then we let our patrons vote, and that's that. Uh, We couldn't find a category where we could each find two movies. (laughs) Like, it was <laughs> like, that's pretty kind brutal. Of and there was actually a lot on there that I haven't seen, but yeah. they, they're really determined to fill out their catalog with uh, like kids' Christmas films mm-hmm. and like bad animated films and, and, and a lot of sci-fi mock, channel you know, mockbusters, mockbuster yeah. kind of stuff. The, the kind of stuff that exists to be filler on on a video shelf. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, in any case, here's what we came up with. These are films that don't really have a theme, although they almost do, I guess. Uh, first off, we have Bridesmaids, the uh, Paul Feig ensemble comedy, Oscar-nominated, modern classic, a lot of people would would, would agree, uh, starring Kristen Wiig, mm-hmm. Maya Rudolph, Melissa McCarthy, Rose Byrne, and a lot of other cool people as well. Uh, it's about Bridesmaids. You've probably seen it. Uh, next up, we've got Flashdance, starring Jennifer Beals as a steel town worker on a Saturday night. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that one, uh, and uh, yeah, she's she's also a, uh, a a a sexy dancer, professional sexy dancer. She, uh, she, she wants to change her career to that yeah. of, to that of dancer. Yeah. Uh, also, hey, speaking of Julia Roberts, uh, one of us, and I won't tell you who, has never seen Pretty Woman. So uh, I hear it's about a pretty woman. Yeah. Uh, mm. So that's something we might do. Richard you, Gere plays the pretty woman, and uh, you probably heard of it. And then, lastly, uh, just to throw in a just to throw in a wrinkle. Look, okay. can you choose bridesmaids? Make make us watch bridesmaids. Uh-huh. Make us watch Pretty Woman. 
Make us watch Flashdance. All, all, all well-regarded movies. Yes. Yeah. Or you could choose... Or you could be a, a jerk. And choose Christmas <laughs> Twister. <laughs> this is a low-budget disaster movie in which a whole bunch of, like, really powerful tornadoes hit Texas on Christmas. Christmas and it Christmas. starts... And it stars Casper Van Dien. I was going to ask if it stars Casper Van Dien. It stars Casper Van Dien and Richard Berge. Ah, you what? knew it was coming. What? No, no. Um, Costas Mandalore. Oh, but that, or, um, Costas Mandalore was still doing Saw movies, I think. Or Lacey still, Chabert. Lacey Chabert don't, does the Christmas movies. I don't think yeah. she does the, 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 the serious films anymore. Or, or Alicia Witt. Yeah. <laughs> but it is an option, damn it. It's directed by Peter Sullivan. Let's take a quick look. At the career of Peter Sullivan. Peter Sullivan, who has, like, I'm sure, eight other names yeah. under which they direct. Uh, Peter, uh, 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 Peter Sullivan has directed films like, let's see what we got like here. Like Christmas Twister. The Dog Who Saved Halloween. Oh, well, thank goodness. All About Christmas Eve. Dear Secret Santa. All About Christmas Eve. Ooh, Christmas Under they Wraps. Did... I know that one. That one's good, actually. Oh. It, might actually it might actually be better than we think. I'm surprised nobody's done All About Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like that, anyway. The Flight Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Broadcasting Christmas, wrapped up in Christmas, Kukui the Boogeyman. <laughs> At Christmas. <laughs> yeah. The Secret Lives of Cheerleaders, The Road Home for Christmas, wait, the, Fatal wait, Affair. I was wait, the, the Secret Lives of Cheerleaders, Fatal Affair, we're, we're dipping into some pretty yeah, getting, raunchy territory getting, here. Getting, I think he's starting moving more of a lifetime. <laughs> uh, anyway, I have a lot of respect for people who, who make their career being very prolific and working mm. within this milieu. I, I don't mean to jest about that. But sometimes the movies are very, very silly and sometimes by design. Mm. Maybe Christmas Twister is one of them. We will only find out if you vote for it. Or you can make us watch a, a good or well-regarded or yeah. classic movie instead. Yeah. Or you can make us watch Bridesmaids, Pretty Woman, or Flashdance. We will watch whichever one you vote for. In order to vote, you have to be a patron. Head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Even $1 a month gives you the opportunity to vote for this show and in all our other polls. And you also get our Holy Batman podcast, where every week Whitney and I review another two or three part episode from the classic 1960s live action Batman series with mm. a star studied special cast. Um, and there's other stuff there on Patreon as well. We've got podcasts dedicated to Star Trek. We've got commentary tracks. Uh, we've got podcasts dedicated to the Academy Awards. We have uh, uh, online hangouts. There's a lot there. So thank you, everybody who is a patron for contributing, for voting for these polls. Thank you, everybody who takes the time, takes the money. We, we know it's a lot to ask. Um, mm. And uh, if you can't afford to be a patron, we totally get it. And we're just grateful. Thank you for subscribing. That really helps. If you have a moment, if you could leave us a review, star rating, a couple mm. of sentences really, really helps us uh, find our way into the algorithms and where people can find our show. And that really helps the show grow and expand and uh, gives them an opportunity to make more shows for you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's that. Uh, you can always email us if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode or anywhere else. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Once again, that is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We're also on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I am at Whitney Seibel. Tell us about our P.O. Box. Uh, we have a P.O. Box. You can mail us physical letters, and we'd love to get some from you. Um, it is P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. You can address it to either of our names or to the Critically Acclaimed Network. Very special shout-out to everybody who's already sent us things. It's very, very kind of you. Of yeah. course, no one is obligated, but it's very, very nice that people have taken advantage of it yeah. because we're doing it because people asked. Um, and um, I guess that's that. So we will see you next time on the Critically Acclaimed Streaming Club. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I don't know how to end this podcast. Thanks for joining the club. Mm. Something about a club. It's a club. Thank you.